chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome to the State of Cannabis, bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. Advocates and analysts will join us to discuss the ongoing path to reform and legislation. Now, the State of Cannabis, with your host, Dave Inman. Welcome to the State of Cannabis, keeping you, our listeners, on the pulse of what's happening in cannabis today. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us today, we have Lance Rogers and Rachel Gillette with Green Spoon Martyr. Lance, Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Great to have you. So, Lance, Rachel, uh, actually, I'll I'll post this to you first. Lance, what uh, is uh, Green Spoon Martyr? Green Spoon Martyr is a uh, full-service national law firm, been around about 35 years, 200 attorneys, and has now launched a national cannabis law group where uh, Rachel and I have joined me for California and Rachel for Colorado. And so, you know, that's being recently a lot more large-scale firms are starting to get more or at least dip their toes in the uh, the cannabis space. Would you uh, say that's a correct assessment? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, I've been practicing in this area for about eight years, and I was with a firm prior to this focusing exclusively on cannabis-related services as well. And it's really encouraging to see, you know, more traditional law firms get into the space that, as I think, it kind of legitimizes, you know, every aspect of the industry, lawyers included. Absolutely. So you're you're one of the leading authorities, honestly, at this point uh, in cannabis matters between criminal defense and municipal zoning challenges. So, so tell us what the landscape of that is looking like at the moment. Yeah, you know, I, I sometimes jokingly say I've just survived longer than uh, a lot of my colleagues, perhaps. Don't let the grays fool you. But in terms of, you know, criminal cases, it's very encouraging because by and large, at least my perspective, and you know, we can see what Rachel's perspective is, I, I believe that we've seen the federal government honor its word from 2013 under the Cole memo in which, you know, the federal government iterated that they would not prosecute companies that comply with state or local laws uh, medical and recreational marijuana laws, so long as, again, they're complying with the law and those states have a robust regulatory framework. And it's, it's really phenomenal. It's, it's, you know, it's very positive to see the federal government you know, honor, honor that, uh, that statement that they made. You know, that uh, memorandum, the, uh, the Cole memorandum, it, it really seemed to open the floodgates. You know, it seemed that traditional VCs would actually start get, uh, entering the market. So, Rachel, uh, what have you seen as far as uh, since the Cole memorandum's adoption? Have you seen, uh, like I just said, the, uh, the, the kind of the floodgates opening as far as, you know, people uh, actually finding it to be more of a legitimate business to enter? Right. Well, I've been practicing since 2010, which is when uh, the state of Colorado's legislature decided to be the first state in our nation to license and regulate medical marijuana businesses. In California, there had been a patchwork of some local licensing, but Colorado was really the first state to allow for-profit marijuana businesses that were going to be licensed and regulated by state and local licensing authorities. And since then, we've seen the industry grow substantially. So we were doing this prior to the Cole Memorandum when, of course, our state passed uh, Amendment 64, allowing recreational marijuana. We built that licensing scheme off the medical marijuana licensing scheme that had been in place for a couple of years, and it seemed to fu- function and work very well in our state. And it was good to see that the 
federal government decided not to interfere in Colorado's decision to legalize adult use marijuana and to regulate uh, licensed for-profit businesses. So you didn't see as much of an impact with the uh, the Cole mem- Memorandum uh, coming into play in Colorado that you might have in other states, especially uh, states that generally their medical dispensaries would actually operate under a like a nonprofit umbrella, which is kind of like having a Circle K that's nonprofit. Just doesn't really make much sense. Right. Yeah. You know. I mean. I think I was. It, it was a good memorandum to see, and it was. I think everybody breathed a sigh of relief when we saw that memorandum because we really weren't sure what was going to happen with recreational marijuana and whether the federal government was going to get involved with a state like Colorado that had decided to tax and regulate adult use. You know, it's, it's funny uh, how, how often uh, states say, oh, well, let's just look to Colorado to uh, see what happens there and then we'll make a determination. So we've had a we've had a couple of years of uh, legal cannabis in Colorado, and uh, from my scant vantage, I would say the sky has yet to fall. You know, I, I've read you know different uh, reports, good, bad, and indifferent, but most of them seem to to kind of chorus the same thing that uh, you know youth use is is kind of static. It hasn't it hasn't gone up, hasn't really gone down, but it hasn't specifically gone up with uh, legal cannabis being available. You know, they're creating new baselines for information as far as drugged driving, and it sounds like they really in Colorado didn't have a good baseline to, to operate off of initially to really determine to drill down to you know if cannabis could have been a factor in the the drug driving. It was generally you know just whether or not it was it was alcohol. But from your point of view in Colorado, is the sky falling? No, the sky is blue and it's beautiful, and there's lots of hope and opportunity here. <laughs> Um, especially in the cannabis industry. It's it's continuing to grow, you know, as the, the, is our hemp industry, too. The hemp industry and, and uh, real estate, from what I understand, has uh, gotten a big jolt of uh, business in uh, the Denver market. Not only that, but uh, it sounds like uh, Colorado Springs and Denver are two of the top 10 cities to live in. Right. We've, had, we've seen, uh, certainly since recreational marijuana passed in 2012, we've seen an influx of people moving to our state, I think, for in large part, because we have legalized cannabis, and it seems to be a very progressive move. And so, you know, the number of industries that uh, cannabis supports in Colorado is pretty substantial, anywhere from, you know, HVAC guys, construction, obviously, you know, the regulators, the Marijuana Enforcement Division has grown and is continuing to hire yeah, and real estate is very, very strong here, uh, in large part because of marijuana. So now when we look at uh, the taxation and regulation that we have on uh, our products, it seems not only Colorado, but Washington, probably here fairly shortly, Oregon, there's a bit of a race to the bottom as far as price. You know, So you know, ounces of cannabis generally uh, you'd see for initially at the onset, uh, you know, $300 to $400. And now we're seeing them, you know, sub 100, you know, and, and I would venture a guess that that should, by all rights, hurt the uh, the initial taxation um, and the, uh, you know, kind of what we had forecasted that we would wind up bringing into the states. Are, are you seeing any evidence of that being the case? I think our tax revenues are very strong in the state of Colorado. There certainly has been a decrease in price. We've seen more production as far as cultivations in Colorado. And, 
you know, it's a competitive marketplace. So that is beneficial to the consumer, certainly. But, you know, we have special sales taxes that are imposed on recreational cannabis in the state. We also see special sales taxes imposed at the local level. And I think tax revenues are very, very strong. And I think it's ultimately good for consumers that there's a competitive pricing out there for your cannabis. Yeah, you know, if uh, if we overtax it, obviously that's just going to push people to the black market, you know, and uh, get it that way. But it definitely seems like we are uh, either a coming up with you know more uh, robust, more cost-effective ways to cultivate, or we, you know, finally are are just at the point where you know uh, uh, the, the manufacturers realize that they have to drop percentage points in order to sell their product. Yeah, I think consumers are willing to pay a little bit more tax in order to buy legal marijuana. There's, you know, you can pick and choose the type of cannabis that you buy, the strength of the cannabis. It's certainly a much better option and maybe worth a few more bucks than going to your local alleyway and buying it on the black market. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Rachel, we got to take a quick break. When we get back, we have Lance Rogers and Rachel Gillette with Green Spoon Martyr. We'll be right back with you, folks. Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com when we return. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted, available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you life yourself a joint. Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. <sighs> cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash. And I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase and gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. Pay quick. The safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Get ready to hear something good about cannabis. I give you Jasmine Huff. Tell us a little bit about Jasmine. Give us the good news about how you've gotten to where you are today. Like all good children, I rejected my parents' values and and ran off to become a capitalist in New York City and did a lot of work with an organization called Women 2.0. Looking at the cannabis industry, I said, you know what? Here we have a brand new industry. It's going to be a billion dollar industry. 
and the rules of who leads this industry and who funds this industry haven't been written yet. Good news, only on CannabisRadio.com. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines, welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us today, we have Lance Rogers and Rachel Gillette with Green Spoon Martyr. So we've been talking about, uh, you know, the, the the trials and tribulations and honestly, the beauty of what's been going on in Colorado. Rachel, thank you for uh, informing us of that. Lance, I want to dive into a couple of questions with you because one of your aspects is uh, in zoning. And, you know, you're, you're kind of over in the Wild West of uh, cannabis, to be quite frank. California has had uh, a lot of challenges with trying to figure out how to have medical cannabis back since, what, 1996? And, and it was very, you know, a very loose law. It was one of the, the very first ones that actually was the very first one that was implemented. And so there was a lot of challenges uh, that were inherently uh, uh, pushed out, uh, a lot of unknown variables that uh, were, were really to this day still tackling. I know uh, San Diego, just within the last couple of years, finally got to reopen dispensaries. So tell us some of the challenges that you have in California trying to go through this city to city, county to county, different framework sets. How difficult is that? Yeah, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head there with the uh, the vast differences in regulation by municipality throughout the state of California. You know, we uh, I'm from California. I'm from San Diego. We, uh, we we're, we're consider ourselves, you know, special over here on the West Coast. And the state is extremely diverse. You know, we've got an incredible, you know, area that can be pretty conservative. You know, put Ronald Reagan in the uh, the White House and compare that with, you know, parts of Northern California, which can be hyper liberal. And so all of that comes together in Sacramento on every, you know, piece of legislation, cannabis included. So in 1996, when the voters actually enacted the Compassionate Use Act, it was an experiment. You know, we didn't know if there would be a wholesale federal backlash and if the sky would fall. Well, that didn't happen. And and fortunately, now we have 25 medical states, four that have legalized. We tried to be the first with Proposition 19 in 2010, I want to say. I got very close, but we'll try again in a couple of months with Proposition 64, but yeah, you're absolutely right that the law has been vague and evolving. In 2004, we passed the Medical Marijuana Program Act, SB 420, which created this concept of nonprofit collectives. A collective has no legal definition. It's We, we went by the, uh, the dictionary definition of a jointly owned farmer business. And so we created this sort of like nebulous concept of this mega group of patients that could be, you know, 150,000 patients all going to Harborside Dispensary in San Jose or a group of five people growing marijuana in their backyard. Those are, you know, the concept of collectives. And unfortunately, it really did a disservice to medical marijuana patients for over 10 years um, when there was no great distribution network. I think we also saw more federal enforcement activity in the state of California because we didn't have the regulation in place like states like Colorado and Washington did. But that all changed in January when the state legislature passed the Medical Marijuana Regulatory Safety Act, which will still allow municipalities to license 
and uh, regulate the establishment of dispensaries or cultivation facilities or manufacturing facilities, all commercial cannabis activity, and that includes banning as well. So we'll see sort of spot zoning, if you will, continue throughout the state of California. We'll see, you know, if you want to call them dry and wet municipalities. And I, I believe Colorado went through that process as well. You know, I, I find it to be incredibly important that local communities should be able to opt in or opt out. You know, I mean, if it uh, is something that uh, is untenable for them, they shouldn't have to deal with it. I mean, we still have dry counties in the south. I, I actually lived in the south for a little bit of time, and it was actually in a dry county. And, and you know, it certainly wasn't as much fun as it probably could have been. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was their choice. And, and they should always be able to make that choice for themselves. And yep. You know, really, I think that's always the argument is at least being able to make the choice for ourselves. And, you know, we're, we're definitely getting there. So, prop, uh, you know, uh, Amendment 64, going to be on the ballot. I had an opportunity back in 2010, and I've heard mixed stories about this, uh, you know, as far as why it didn't pass. You know, obviously, it was a uh, off-cycle uh, election, yeah. so it wasn't a presidential election and get the same voter turnout. But you also had something that was kind of unique in the in the state and honestly in the movement at the time, and that was uh, what I like to call uh, that uh, one of our show hosts, Russ Belleville, uh, coined some time back, but uh, really hits the nail on the head, and that's the, uh, the stoners against legalization. And we start seeing more and more evidence of this in every single state that's trying to do anything, whether it's medical, whether it's recreational, whether it's even just decrim. And they become more and more vocal because it's just not good enough. The funny thing is, is that even here in Arizona, where we've had uh, medical cannabis since 2010, and we, we weren't able to open our dispensaries until 2012, just because we have some backward thinking politicians. I mean, we know we have Joe Arpaio and, and you know, uh, Bill Montgomery, who tells uh, vets that, uh, you know, they are the enemy for using medical cannabis to treat their PTSD and whatnot. So we have some backward thinking people. But one of the things that I've gleaned is that 40% of the medical cannabis in Arizona is exported from California. So in Arizona, 40% of all of the medical cannabis still comes from California. Now, we all know that we're not supposed to transport over, uh, you know, state lines. So mm. it becomes a very untenable scenario when they're potentially going to lose all their verticals. And mm -hmm. so as you kind of peel the onion back a little bit, it uh, actually seems like, uh, you know, a lot of these Northern California growers are, are actually inferring to try and maintain their market verticals. Yeah. Look, I mean, this is this is an in, in, incredibly important topic, and I, I appreciate having this discussion on Cannabis Radio, where hopefully people within the movement, you know, are listening. I've been doing this eight years. I've represented, you know, marijuana growers throughout the state of California as a criminal defense attorney. I've put in blood, sweat, and tears into the activist movement, and. And, you know, I am confronted sometimes by op opponents within the cannabis community. And anytime you vote against an effort that moves towards legalization, you are voting in favor of the continued criminality of uh, marijuana-related activities. And if that's what you believe in, then by all means, vote against, you know, uh, legalization for recreational purposes. Vote against medical marijuana. If, however... Someone is voting because they want to continue to conduct illegal activities at the expense of other people that are trying to, uh, you know, do it the right way. You know, it's something I'm, I'm not going to endorse and I'm going to call it out. And I think we in the community and the industry have a responsibility to, uh, to say so. We're not drug dealers. This is a $50 billion industry by an estimate that just came, a, came across 
you know, my desk. I represent a lot of growers that are fantastic people, some of the best people I've ever met in my life in Northern California. And these people are tired of being criminals and they want to be, you know, entrepreneurs moving forward. And so part of that, I think, is having an honest conversation about what's really going on and, and starting to comply with the law. And that's it right there. You know, actually being able to provide a framework and, and removing the fear. And, and you know, you, you actually hit the nail on the head because a lot of the, the people that I interact with, you know, they're, they're afraid of, of losing their income. And, and I get it. But at the same note, you know, when I, when I first started smoking cannabis, it was, uh, you know, many years ago. And uh, I remember the old adage of, you know, saying, uh, you know, I just wish I could go down to the Circle K and buy a pack of joints. And we're getting to that point. And, and that was really the end game. We got to take a quick break. Uh, when we get back, we have Lance Rogers, Rachel Gillette with Green Spoon Martyr. We'll be right back with you, folks. Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com when we return. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Thousands of cannabis professionals convene this August in Portland, Oregon to the city responsible for half a billion dollars in cannabis commerce. The Portland Expo Center hosts Indo Expo, August 6th and 7th. Indo Expo has seed to sale covered all weekend long with educational seminars and over 250 exhibitors, lights, nutrients, trimmers, extractors, greenhouses, cutting-edge grow gear, genetics, smoking accessories, and more. Free admission for buyers, store owners, and MJ industry professionals. Visit www.indoexpo.com. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines, welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman. 
Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us today, we have Lance Rogers and Rachel Gillette with Green Spoon Martyr. We've covered some great topics, uh, you know, some of the, the biggest hurdles that uh, I honestly see from from my point of view. Uh, you know, we, we have crazy zoning issues, not just in California, but across the, uh, the cr- across the scope. And not only that, but holy cow, taxation. So I, I really want to dive a little bit back into this with you, Rachel, because you're, you're more of the expert in this arena. So tell us about the fun that you have when dealing with the books for your clients, when trying to encourage them to, uh, you know, obviously you want to keep them in, in the appropriate framework, but to be able to capitalize to, uh, on their expenses in a strict regulatory environment like this, which requires tax compliance and you're a marijuana business, you have to have consideration that you will be scrutinized by your local, your state, and the federal taxing authorities. And you need to have good records. <laughs> you need to keep good records. And you need to make sure to track every dollar, especially in the cannabis industry, because it's a cash-intensive industry. One of the things that a lot of people don't understand when they come into my office and say, I want to open up a marijuana business, is that the federal government considers marijuana Schedule One controlled substance and illegal. There is a provision under the tax code that essentially says if you're in the business of trafficking in a Schedule One or Schedule Two controlled substance, you cannot take your ordinary or necessary business deductions. So even though the federal government loves to collect your marijuana tax revenues, they consider these businesses that are licensed, going through tons of red tape, they follow lots and lots of rules, they consider these businesses to be illegal drug traffickers. This provision, 280E, is a holdover from the 80s drug war. It was meant to apply to people who never would have filed taxes in the first place, your illicit cartel drug dealers, And now the federal government is basically applying it to these licensed and tax compliant businesses, which creates quite a substantial hardship for many of them and some very unique issues. You know, just for example, if you are lucky enough as a marijuana business to have a bank account, the fee, you know, and often these bank accounts cost the businesses tremendous fees those bank account fees are going to be considered a disallowed expense under 280E by the federal government. So same with the advertising. If you're spending money on advertising, every dollar that you spend is essentially going to cost you 35 to 40 cents more because that's going to be a disallowed expense. And whatever revenue you spent on that expense is going to be a taxable income on your federal tax return. So it's not all fun and games in the business of selling cannabis, and you have to really plan accordingly and have considerations for those types of disallowed expenses when you're making decisions in your business. You know, it's, it's funny that you say that, you know, because you know, it isn't all fun and games. And and actually, you know, often I would find any other business other than cannabis to be so much easier to jump into. And, uh, you know, to highlight a comment that Lance had had earlier about, uh, you know, some of the, uh, the his grower clients being some of the best people he's ever met, then I have to chorus that. I mean, generally, the cannabis community is just some of the most, you know, amazing, thoughtful people on the planet. And it's been statically that, you know, my entire life. 
And it's unfortunate that we wind up having, you know, a, a scenario where there's a departure from that and, and, you know, just a, an unknown variable and people are afraid of it, you know, uh, and that is what I want to see end. You know, I mean, we, uh, like I say, often we're, we're at the end game, you know, I mean, we have five states on the books right now that, uh, are 10 states, uh, on the books right now between either, uh, recreational or, uh, medical cannabis. I mean, we are about to make a mandate for cannabis in eight weeks. We have to, to stay strong in this. I mean, this is, this is it. This is, this is the time that we need to shine and not fight. So, you know, I got to I got to thank both of you guys, of course, for for what you do and how long you've been doing it and just uh, the the momentum that we see now. You know, these things are in no small part to to all of us and being able to chorus over and over again in those uncomfortable situations, really what cannabis is for everybody. Right. The tax issue can be a very uncomfortable situation for certain and and it's scary. It, it's a very uncomfortable situation, like what I was mentioning, where 40% of the uh, cannabis uh, that's sold through the dispensaries right now in Arizona comes from California because it's only donation. You know, you can't buy from a caregiver, and that's the only way that would come in. And then, you know, that you have to show it at zero cost. <laughs> so that becomes wow. a very costly <laughs> endeavor. So uh, yeah, between, between the taxation and the, the zoning, the regulation, we need people like you out there to make sure that we can stay out of these pitfalls. And I got to, I got to thank you both for what you do yet again. We're unfortunately, we're, we're about out of time. I could, I could keep rambling with you guys forever on these things. There's just so many rocks to unturn and so many things to highlight that people really, really need to be able to, to see and understand before they get into this business. So, uh, you know, I'd like to, to, again, thank you guys for coming on the show. Lance Rogers, Rachel Gillette with Green Spoon Martyr. How can they get in touch with either of you? Uh, Lance, you're in California. Rachel, you're in Colorado. A couple quick seconds. How can they get in touch with either of you in, in your local markets? This is Lance in California. You know, everything can just go to gmlaw.com, and then we have a, a page for our cannabis law group. And uh, there you can read all about not only our offices in Denver and uh, San Diego, but also Las Vegas, Fort Lauderdale, and New York. Excellent. Excellent. We'll make sure and get uh, some links up there so people can uh, can reach out if they need you. And I got to thank all of you for joining us on this edition of the State of Cannabis. Uh, I'm your host, Dave Inman. You can download past episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. Don't forget to like and comment. I'm your host, Dave Inman. We'll be with you next time. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.